Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest talk. And this is going to be a brief talk on CT of the bladder, pearls, and pitfalls. I will come back to the bladder at a later date and really give you an extensive review of bladder pathology. But I've been asked a number of questions recently about the bladder and thought I would perhaps give you some pearls and pitfalls. Not the entire bladder, but some very, very specific comments. One is, we know that when we do hematuria workup, and there's a whole lecture series on hematuria, we need to have non-contrast scans, arterial venous, and delayed. Now, the reason we have multiple phases in a patient with gross hematuria, for example, is because we're worried about a tumor. We're worried about a tumor in the kidneys, or the ureter, or in the bladder. Now, in terms of protocols, what we often will do is the non-contrast, only the kidney, but the arterial phase will be the entire abdomen and pelvis. And people often ask why. Well, one of the reasons we do the entire abdomen and pelvis is because we want to look at the bladder. Many small bladder cancers are very vascular on early phase imaging. Remember, part of our protocol, we give patients water, so the bladder is distended, and then you can see these small tumors. One of our comments in misdiagnosis is that one of the common misdiagnoses are small bladder cancers because you're doing an aorta study, but because it's arterial phase, even tiny five millimeter bladder lesions enhance, and it's a way of making a very early diagnosis. Of course, we also do the entire abdomen and pelvis on delayed phase imaging. Sometimes the best bladder lesions are seen with the bladder opacified with positive contrast, and then the tumor will show up. So just a couple examples. Here's a nice case on the, the uh, early phase arterial enhancement posterior left wall of the bladder. That's the patient's bladder cancer. You can also see it obviously on the delayed phase but sometimes you can get fooled. Someone may have considered perhaps this is some residual high density material or even blood. So you need to be very careful not to overlook tumors or overcall tumors. But you can see when you have both of these images together, it's very clear that vascular lesion is the patient's carcinoma. Now, interestingly, we don't really think of bladder cancer as a hypervascular lesion, but it is relatively vascular. Bladder cancer tends to show peak enhancement with the 60-second scanning delay. And this article from Kim way back when made the point that CT is very good at picking up bladder cancer, and these are often incidental bladder cancers. So examples, you see a little bit of enhancement posterior bladder wall. That's not a stone. That's going to be a small tumor. Again, the importance is you see it early, Oral contrast, which is water, allows the patient to have good excretion of urine, and so the bladder is reasonably distended. Another example, at about 8 o'clock, there's a small lesion, vascular, less than a centimeter, also a bladder cancer. So if you look at some of the interesting numbers, if you measured the bladder cancer enhancement at 60 seconds is between 80 and 130, it washes out a bit as you go a little bit later, and on the arterial phase, it's bright, but sometimes at 40 seconds, it's not as bright as it could be at 60 seconds. Now, these are old numbers. It's an article 18 years ago, but these numbers are as true today, and no one's ever re-looked at those numbers, so it's pretty good. 
Now, sometimes in terms of bladder cancers, I mentioned about arterial phase and I showed you a case with arterial and delayed. Both phases showed it well. But here's a great example of a polypoid lesion in the bladder that's enhancing. That's an obvious bladder cancer. Nothing very tricky. Now in this example, the bladder is not well distended, but that lesion is well seen. Okay, consistent with the TCC. But if you waited six minutes and you got delayed scans, positive contrast is in the bladder. Now most of the time we have a small bladder cancer or a regular sized bladder cancer, you see a filling defect against the dense contrast. But here the contrast is dense and based on the positioning of the tumor, you just don't see the tumor. Sometimes what you have to do in this example is widen the windows. When you widen the windows, there you see a shadow and that's the patient's tumor. But you recognize, here it is again, but you recognize how easy it is to miss on the routine axial imaging. So one of the things important to do is always look at the coronals and take a look at the sagittals also when looking at the bladder. So here's just a really nice example. Again, the two images side by side. There's the obvious lesion. Yes, it's right here, but boy, with the beam hardening artifact and the dense contrast, you just don't appreciate it. Now, sometimes in the bladder, like in the stomach, you'll see high density. And that high density means blood. Yes, it could be early contrast from the ureter, but usually that's denser. This is just like the stomach or small bowel or colon. This is blood. And then if you look at additional images, you see the active contrast extravasation. That's a jet. It could be from a ulceration. It could be from trauma. I've seen it where the patients have had a Foley catheter placed, for example. I've seen it from biopsy. But look at that jet of active contrast material. And there's also hemorrhage. So a really nice example. If you see that high density, you gotta look really careful. Sometimes the active site of bleeding is very subtle. When you go to later phase imaging, you get the positive contrast layering around what ends up being a large blood clot. So be aware of that appearance as well. I also make the point that we do see bladder different diverticulite up to 10% of cases. You wanna look carefully at bladder diverticuli. Sometimes they don't empty well and can cause the patient to have symptoms related to that or be a source for infection. But you can get TCCs within a diverticulum. So we talk about two unusual tumors in the bladder. One is cancer in a diverticulum and one is your rachial remnants, which is superior doma bladder, and that gives you adenocarcinoma. And we won't have time to really discuss that, but let me just show you just a couple examples. Here at about two o'clock, there's a big diverticulum. That's the enhancing lesion in the diverticulum. A beautiful example of a bladder diverticulum harboring a cancer in a patient with hematuria. Or this case, again, a bladder diverticulum, but the patient has a soft tissue mass, which was a TCC. So bladder diverticulum are not uncommon, but you wanna look at them carefully because it is possible at times to pick up a small tumor there. Now I thought I would share with you, because I had a case recently about paragangliomas. Now we talk about um, pheochromocytomas in the adrenal gland. When you have an extra adrenal pheo, it's considered a paraganglioma. Most common areas typically organ of zircondyl, but we commonly see them in the periodic region. 
but they also can occur in the bladder. Non-contrast scans, a little subtle thing there. Look how bright it is with contrast. Now I have to admit, most of these masses are going to be bladder cancer. Though it is a little bit brighter than bladder cancer, size-wise it will be good for bladder cancer. You can see it enhances up to um, a over 100 Hounsfield units, but again, that could be a cancer easily. There it is on the delayed phase imaging. Now this patient had symptoms of hypertension. The patient had issues when the patient urinated, uh, got high blood pressure, which is the classic history, by the way, of a paraganglioma in the patient's bladder. So beautifully seen arterial phase, beautifully seen late phase imaging, but look how hard it is to see on that non-contrast scan. Yes, in retrospect, there it is. But boy, that is one tough call. Recent article on the bladder paragangliomas, rare tumor that's often missed. It can be predicted based on micuration attacks and or signs and symptoms of catecholamine excess. We suggest that bladder tumors larger than 3 cm in diameter can be used as a potential, as an additional predictor of functional um, bladder paragangliomas. But again, it's really a rare diagnosis. You can undergo MR or MIBG scans as a way of confirming that. It's interesting, um, these tumors, uh, it's really hard to also determine whether it's malignant, which is true with FIOs as well, unless the patient has nodes and exhibits malignant behavior. On CT, these bladder paragangliomas are usually identified with a sensitivity to 91%. I'll agree to that, but most of the time they're probably called bladder cancers, TCCs. Unless you have that hypertension and the history suggesting possible pheo, you're not going to think about it. Uh, in terms of paragangliomas calcifying, TCCs can calcify. Theoretically, bladder paragangliomas can, but I don't think I've seen a case. So again, it's an important thing to think about with the right clinical history. The classic history, as I mentioned, was a patient's urinating and passes out. So that's the history. You get that history, you better think of a bladder paraganglioma. And here's just one more, again, um, looking at this patient. One of the things you want to be looking at, this patient also had renal cell carcinoma. This could be metastasis. That's my best bet, but that ended up being a small paraganglioma. So at times, vascular lesion, though it's not hypervascular, but this could have been a MET, but it also could be a primary TCC. And he has another bladder paraganglioma, a larger one, but you can see how vascular it is. That's far more vascular than a TCC, or even a squamous cell, or an adenocarcinoma. Mass, very vascular, you gotta be thinking paraganglioma. Very important diagnosis. Now, the cases I've shown you, we've injected contrast through an IV, typical contrast study. The bladder is then filled with urine, and if you get late phase imaging as part of the CT urogram, typically at around five minutes, you'll have the bladder with positive contrast. But one thing we have to admit, it's almost impossible to get the bladder well distended routinely from above. If you want to get maximum distension of the bladder, whether it's for looking at inflammatory disease like fistulas or tumors 
or evaluating trauma for a leak, you need to do CT urography with CT cystography. And the CT cystogram is Foley in the bladder, under gravity, we take a bag of saline, 500 cc's, add 30 cc's of uh, Iohexyl 350, and then you shake it, and then you drip it into the patient's bladder under gravity. That works very nicely. So here the bladder is well distended, and here you can see it from a sagittal view. There's an air bubble in the bladder, but when you put a Foley in and uh, injecting things, that's what's going to happen. Not bad. And here's two more sagittal views. The bladder is very smooth. There's no leak from the bladder. There's no evidence of pathology in this case. What about inflammatory disease? If you want to look for diverticulitis and complications, you often can suggest it because the, the colon and bladder are immediately inherent. If you want to look for a fistula, you can give oral contrast, but it's really not going to work. You can give rectal contrast. That may work okay. But doing a CT cystogram, here you see the bladder wall thickening this track anteriorly, and you recognize it's an inflammatory process there. Now, I have to admit, if I only saw this, and I said carcinoma, even your rachial carcinoma or TCC, that's the most likely diagnosis. But when you start looking, you see in the sagittal, the involvement of the patient's colon and the bladder, so-called diverticulitis with an with a fistula between the bl bladder and the patient's colon. Just a really nice example of that. And again, these enterovesical fistulae, classic causes diagnosis of diverticulitis. It's usually on the left side or dome. On the right side could be Crohn's disease, but diverticulitis is most common. Again, the distension of the bladder is critical for making the diagnosis. Sometimes you'll see contrast reflux between the bladder and the colon. People often have suggested, and another way of doing it is with rectal contrast and getting rectal and then looking at the fistula from the colon to the bladder. That works also, but the CT cystogram technique tends to be one of the easier techniques. Here it is very nicely on the coronal and the 3D volume rendered coronal. There's the fistulous tract between the sigmoid colon and the patient's bladder. Classic fistula between the bladder and the colon due to diverticulitis. And here's just a couple more examples, colovesical fistula in a patient with long-standing diverticulitis. Um, if you can pick up thickening of the bladder with diverticular disease, that's considered a prodromal state and patients will often be operated on because with a fistulous communication, there's high morbidity and high mortality in these patients. But here's just another example of colovesical fistula. It's a non-contrast study, but you can see the tract present. Obviously, it would be great to have IV contrast on board. The last thing I'll mention with CT urography would be trauma. The classic thing people say is, well, you give IV contrast, kidneys excrete contrast, look at the bladder. Well, that's okay, but the reality is, if the bladder is not well distended, you're going to miss bladder injury. So if you're looking to exclude bladder injury, put a Foley catheter in place. And again, drip contrast, drip from a 500 cc bag of saline, 30 cc's of contrast injected. Everything is shook and shaken and stirred. And then you drip it in. So here you see the bladder. Okay. You see the ureters. You see the free fluid in the pelvis, which is blood. You also see the patient's pelvic fractures, 
but there's no evidence of contrast extravasation, despite the multiple fragments from the superior and inferior pubic ramus on the left and on the right, there is no bladder hematoma or other process in the bladder. Another case, here's a patient who had surgery and they worried about a fistula to the, from the bladder or a leak. Well, you look at these images, you can't really say much. You see a foley in place, there's clips, but you're not saying much. Then you give contrast and you could see as contrast drips in, there's a leak. This was a patient post-prostatectomy. Here's a leak along the urethra, a very classic location by base of bladder, but very easy to recognize when you do the study correctly with CT cystography and contrast placed within the bladder. Another example, gunshot wounds, there's a foley in the bladder, lots of fragments. What's this? This looks like a metal object. This looks like a fragment and it's either near or in the bladder. Well, when you start looking carefully, you get the feeling it's probably in the bladder, and there's some high density in the bladder here, which suggests blood. So you want to do a CT cystogram. When you do the CT cystogram, look at the contrast pouring out of the posterior right wall of the bladder. A beautiful example of a tear in the bladder wall, a leak which needed surgical intervention. If you only went from the non-contrast scans, you would have missed that. Look how obvious that leak is, because with gravity, contrast is entering the bladder, and as fast as it's entering, it's going down that fistulous tract with fluid congregating the presacral space. Just a really nice example. And another example, kind of trauma, a patient post-robotic prostatectomy. They worried about the bladder, there's a Foley catheter in place. Kind of looks okay, but you give contrast, and the classic thing post-prostatectomy is a leak at the base of the bladder, where the prosthetic urethra was, and you can see the leak very nicely there, and then you get more images, and you can see the leak increases, and then you can see this contrast going intraperitoneal. When you have contrast extract from the bladder, it's intra or extraperitoneal. Once you start seeing the bowel loops in this case, here it is again, it's an intraperitoneal leak. And again, typically extraperitoneal leaks will uh, solve themselves, intraperitoneal leaks will often need surgical intervention. And just a beautiful example showing you those small bowel loops being around that positive contrast from the leak from the bladder. So I've gone through a number of things. I've talked about some typical TCCs and how we look at them. I've talked about fistulae and how we look at enterovesical fistulae. I've talked also about unusual things like paraganglioma. So the key, of course, for doing good bladder imaging is making sure your protocol matches the study in question. Early bladder pathology could be an incidental finding. So on a routine basis, always look at the bladder. You don't need to spend 10 minutes there. Give a cursory look, but not too cursory. And careful attention to some of the rules, CT cystography for looking at leaks, for looking at fistulous communications becomes the ideal protocol to do. And with that, I thank everybody for their attention and have a great day. Bye-bye. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.